Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Tantric Lounge. And I'm here, as usual, with my co-host Xavier Watercane. Hello, Xavier. Hello, Jacqueline. And we have a fascinating guest who I shall introduce shortly because today we're going to be talking about the future of sex. Yes, we'll be gazing into the crystal balls of sexuality. Yes. And seeing what we can see. Yes, and there's this whole list of things that I really can barely even understand. I'm quite curious to find out what Telly Dill Donics might be. I have a vision in my head, which is don't, probably the don't we all? Don't, yeah. don't we all? Yes, and quasi holographics, and what on earth has that got to do with sex and so forth? And you know, as someone who's really interested in in the spiritual side and the connection and all that, I'm very curious to see how all of this techno stuff might fit in with the whole kind of spiritual side of sex as well. So, I think it's going to be quite an interesting show. But before we launch into that, we'll mm. go through the usual ritual. Yes. What is la- what is the latest on Planet Jacqueline? Well, I just want to do a follow-up from last week when we had that really interesting conversation with Cindy Darnell and how she was looking, apart from doing fabulous work in general, she has this project to get the Atlas of Erotic Anatomy and Arousal crowdfunded. And if you recall, she was only halfway through the crowdfunding. Yes, she had stagnated. And it had really stalled. It was completely stagnated. She had less than a week to go to raise nearly $8,000. And she did it within two days of being on the show. Well, it just goes to show that radio works. And so I would like on Cindy's behalf to thank all those listeners who clearly went and contributed to her fabulous project. So we'll keep everyone informed of how that's going since it's kind of been part now of the Tantric Lounge. Yes, the anatomy, the Atlas of the Anatomy of Sex. Mm, mm. A worthwhile project if there ever was one. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to be using it all the time, which is why I made a nice contribution as well. But, you know, listeners, it got Xavier and I thinking, didn't it? Yes, it got us thinking. Got us thinking. Thoughts began to happen. They did. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> As you would expect from a brain coach and a thinking person sex coach. But what we don't normally think about money so much, it's not really, it's not our strong point. But we kind of thought, wow, if all of our listeners um, like to support such wonderful causes, then perhaps they might like to support this radio show. Yes, of course, to keep us independent and keep us ad-free. Much as we loved our sponsors last um, mm. with the last season, we, yes. did, we just became aware that it is really nice also to be free and to independent. To be free and independent. Yes. Not that, that doesn't necessarily mean, of course, that if a sponsor were to come along, they wouldn't, we wouldn't actually appreciate their contribution very much as well. Absolutely. But it has to be very much aligned An with aligned our... aligned one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so But since li- listeners are already pre-aligned, we don't yes. have a problem accepting yes. little bits and pieces, however generous you would want to be, hint, hint. Yes. Like if all of the listeners contributed just a few dollars, we would actually cover our costs for this show because this show is actually quite expensive to run. Yes, as most, as most media are, yeah. even, in, even in the modern age. Yes. So this episode I'm self-funding, but I would really love it if we all chipped in a little bit. Yes. If, so that's just dropping a heavy hint. Well, there, well, mm. there will be mechanisms, which mm. we will describe later for doing that, but well, just planting the seed. Week. Yeah. Well, because um, as I've mentioned before, I'm revamping my website and hopefully, hopefully, if everything is aligning, these things always take longer than you expect, my new website or my revamped website, it's not completely new, will be up next week week and we might well have a little donation button available for people if they want to contribute a dollar or two or three or four or five or ten or twenty anyway whatever it is let's Mm. just 
plant that seed now so that people can think about it. Mm. There's another little seed I want to plant because um, I'm involved in quite an exciting media project here in Australia that's sponsored by Durex Australia called The 30 Nights of Nookie. And it's just starting to launch. It's going... So what it is, is they asked me to be their sex expert and to devise a 30 Nights of Nookie program. Nookie being? Being a word for sex, love and intimacy. Yes. Yes. Because not all of our American listeners might know the word nookie. Is nookie not an American word? No, it's very British. Is it really? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, just to educate all the American and non-British or Australian listeners, nookie, nookie, nookie is just a nice I kind I don't know whether the Canadians know nookie. Oh, Okay. But I know the New Zealanders and the UK certainly right. don't have a problem. With okay, it. well, let's make Nookie an international word that means mucking around in the realms of sex, love, and intimacy. Yes. Yes. So, um, so what. Playing with bits. <laughs> well, no, no, but not necessarily. Ah, and one okay. of the reasons why we used Nookie was we didn't want people to think that this was just about genitals and intercourse. Okay. And in fact, there are. No... I didn't mention genitals or intercourse, I just said bits. Well, anyway, 30 Nights of Nookie is about what? It's about getting couples to sign up and every evening they get a new activity to do. Ah. Mm. And um, I think it's going to be rather lovely. So we're certainly encouraging lots of people to sign up to get access to this program and see what it's like to commit to having some quality Nookie every single night. Mm. So that's quite exciting. Um, so that's just they've just re- launched like the pre the pre stuff. Who is they? Uh, well, Jurex, I guess, and yep. all, all of their many many PR and communications people. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike me, who does it all mine. <laughs> There's got this great swathe of people involved in all of this sort of stuff. My God, the stuff I could do if I had that many people behind me. Yes, insane. The swathes. Yes, if, if I had... was a big multinational corporation, <laughs> I could do so much. Anyway, couldn't but, we all? Couldn't but, we? But all? that's why I'm aligning with them because I'm. They're doing good work, and if a multi big corporation's doing good work, I'm happy to be involved. So if you go to thirty nights of I think it's .au, then you can start to see a little bit about what's going on. So it goes live in September. That's when we everyone is going to be doing their 30 nights together. Nookie is, is spelled N- N-O-O-K-Y, uh, 30 nights of Nookie. Uh, let, me, let me just double check that so that we know. So it's 30 um, in, in, oh, no. in it's numerals. It's I-E. Yes. Night, so 30 in numerals, nights of Nookie, Nookie spelled with an I-E, .com.au. Hmm. Right. So I'm doing that also with um, men's and women's health magazines because I'm their expert for those magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's all it's this big sort of thing that, that we're all doing together. Okay. Yeah, well, so that, that's, that's that's quite exciting as well. It is, it is. So between that and my new website and the new programs and books, and oh, there's so much stuff happening at the moment. It's all very, very exciting. But enough about me. Uh, yes, well, enough about you and enough about the present. Let's, lo- let's look at the future now. Mm. And mm. for the future, and when we're looking into the future, mm. one normally should ask an expert on the future, and an expert on the future is a futurist. Yay! Which is exactly who our guest is. Mm. Ross Dawson. Hello, Ross. Hi. Hi. Oh. You're <laughs> a futurist, aren't you? <laughs> that's, uh, that's the job description, yes, that, that's right. It's sort it's sort of a self-created job description though isn't it you're you're very much a self-made person Absolutely and so what I always say is when people ask me as they often do how do you become a futurist mm. uh, the the answer is you claim you are and people either believe you or they don't 
And, and they believe so, you based on the on 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 the quality of the information that you give them. Yeah, it's it's basically the the credibility comes first in a way. So, I've mm. been working in the future space for sixteen years now, and my first book, which uh, looked into the future, was published back in two thousand. And I suppose I've got a few uh, runs on the board, as it were. Which one so, was that? Because you've written a few books. The, what was that book? Yeah, the first book was called was about the future of professional services. Okay. And so it was quite specific around this idea of knowledge and relationships. And so it was actually in a business context, but I mean, it still mm-hmm. is about relationships. Yeah. This idea that, you know, we, a relationship is not about selling something or doing something for somebody. It's about doing things together that you cannot do apart. And so mm. I suppose we're already getting talking about sex in a way. But so it was just saying, you know, this is the trend. This is the what the way in which you know this uh, high value relationships and business are going, and so that mm-hmm. that would uh, got a lot of uh, attention, and I suppose presaged some of the shifts in business. And my second book in two thousand and two was Living Networks, which looked at the yes, the rise of the connected networked world. Yeah, so that actually foresaw the whole social networking revolution, didn't it? That's right. So mm. before any of today's social networks existed, I was saying that you know it is inevitable that we will all connect in networks, and that will change the nature of how we socialize, who we connect with, and uh, and you know the the na- very nature of our business and society. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. And so, the, so in a way, that's and if we look at the future of sex, this is one of the d- dimensions where this is going. We are connected, and there's there's many shifts which are shaping the future. But one of the most fundamental is that we are connected. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, as we discuss the future of sex, we'll see there's some other pieces to it. But in a connected world, that, that absolutely changes how we can relate uh, yeah. to other people and on, mm. on many different levels. Mm. Yeah, fascinating because that's very much about what we're about is the connection and the science and, yes, yeah, so I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about. So today is where we're, uh, there's a lot of science focus mm. because today is much about, as much about the science of sexuality as anything else because mm. it's really difficult to talk about the future without talking about science or technology. Well, technology at least, yeah. Uh, yeah, because we are a technological society. Mm. We use machines with which to interface with the world. And becoming more so. And becoming more so. And, yes, it's not machines aren't going away, science isn't going away, technology isn't going to away, mm. and human beings seem to be sticking around as well. So, and, <laughs> and since they have this unfortunate habit of reproducing themselves through sex as well as doing a whole bunch of other things through sex, it doesn't seem to be that the future is going away either. So we might as well get to come to terms with it. Mm. So let's start with a concept that possibly is the first one that people think about when they think about technology, which is the internet, which leads into the concept of doing things remotely. And we're looking at something like remote sex. Tell us a little bit about remote sex, Ross. So this is essentially where you uh, engage sexually with someone else at a distance. Mm -hmm. So there are many technologies that enable this. And this the you know the, the the most obvious domains are you know in terms of you know stimulation so the teledildonics is as it uh, describes a dildo <laughs> tele, at a tele distance as in televi- television as in distance dildo as in well a dildo and nicks yeah. well as in electronics so teledildonics dildos at a distance yeah absolutely right though, operate. A, not necessarily yes 
but the, the whole idea is then that it is not just dildos. It can also be, I suppose, emulating uh, you know female genitals so that we mm. can find a way. And so this, I, th- I suppose, in a way, the starting point is that there there is. The reality is there are many people who are in long-distance relationships. Absolutely. And, and they're so, spending a lot of time on Skype talking to each other or that's right. flashing their and so or whatever. This is the first level of where you can sort of get some mm-hmm. visual stimulation. Uh, mm-hmm. And so for those existing partners, I mean, clearly mm-hmm. this is a, um, a possibility of being more deeply engaged. And I think it's important also to see that this is also about sensuality. So there is, right. for example, uh, some cuddly toys where you can mm-hmm. get some things that you can cuddle and respond to. <laughs> so you can, I suppose, get, uh, feel the, the sensuality of being engaged uh, mm-hmm. at a distance. Right. Um, and you know, some other things which are more around touch. So you can you know, just get this feeling of touch or sensations and feed it. In fact, one of the interesting devices is simply one that allows you to control uh, sensuous lights at a distance. Yeah, so this is sure. just the, the levels of engagement where you're, you're, you're mm-hmm. getting beyond just being able to talk to each other or see each other to, to stimulate senses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then, obviously, you know, there are now a variety of different uh, offerings on the markets in terms of uh, remote sex and teledildonics. There is actually, this has been held back a little bit because one of the companies owns some of the uh, basic patents in the mm-hmm. space. Oh, yes. Um, so, actually, there's actually some on the market which have come off and are no longer available. We are seeing, in fact, uh, you know, th- there's more and more which uh, devices where you can. So, again, obviously, this is both for partners and, and more and more it's for those who uh, are wanting to find uh, people who are willing to have fun experiences uh, over mm-hmm. the uh, on open-connected devices, and so you need to have those devices if you want to engage mm. in that. But at that mm-hmm. point, you can explore the world, connect with people, and uh, stimulate each other uh, at a distance. What, what I don't get, mm. and this is something I really, maybe you can explain this, the technology already exists, for example, in computer games where you have handheld um, controllers that vibrate for explosions and jiggle around, etc., etc., and there have, and, for the, and for quite a long time, there have existed, for example, joysticks that also vibrate and shake to give you a more real um, experience when you're doing a video game. So the technology already exists. It isn't doesn't seem to be that complicated to be able to create devices that will you can be in close proximity to various body parts that you can then press buttons and they will shake or rattle or roll or do do stuff, why aren't we seeing more of these devices? They, they couldn't be that difficult to create, surely. Um, well, in fact, the, the first generation is, is iPhone as, or phones as vibrators. So quite some mm. years ago, find some things to be able to say, well, you, you can find a way out of distance to be able to control how fast or on and off to turn the vibration of a phone. So that's a very simple way to be able to, uh, to do this um, and I think it's, it still is a, a question of a getting enough market mass. I mean, for any product you need to be able, mm. you know, there's cost to be able to develop and design and distribute and so on. And there's still, I think we are getting now to a, a level where this doesn't seem weird. And ah, I think that the so market is not that thing. massive yet. I think so. Ah. I think significantly so. As you say, the technologies are, are pretty basic. I mean, you do mm. would, would like things designed to purpose. Uh, 
rather than you know, and there's nothing, no, there's no reason why I say you can't use a joystick off a, off a games console for in innovative ways. Mm. But now there's, I think there still is this point of people feeling that this is unusual or not something mm. they want to do. But we, we are there's more and more conversation about this online. Seems to be more and more accepted. I think that mm. there's still the market is not actually that big. There's not a massive number of people buying these devices yet. That I mean, one of the interesting things we'll see will this change? Will people say, "Yeah, this is totally normal. I'm quite happy with it. I want to to engage with my partner, even if we're away for a while." And we start to see if far more of these, you know, this is socially accepted. Yeah, well, I have to say, just in my experience um, over the last ten years or so, when I've been specialising in this area, people are, are getting more accepting of just using sex toys in general. They're not Absolutely. seen as. Yeah, and I guess that's the first stage of. I mean, a lot of this stuff is using technology or an or an item or an implement or something. Um, so probably the first phase is that people are um, becoming more comfortable just with having some kind of gadget, <laughs> some kind of thing that's not a living body part involved in their sexual play. That's right. And in the same way, there's there's many people who said, "I would, uh, you know, why would I ever get involved? Join a social network?" Mm. Yet <laughs> they're now all on Facebook. And yeah, sure. So these kinds of things, people get used to a an idea, and then it's part of an evolving think, oh, well, trend. Is it's part of an evolving trend, isn't it? Like anything else, like tele, like uh, online dating and all that sort of stuff. Mm. That's right. Okay. Uh, well, let, we'll let people think about that. Mm. We'll let people contemplate that and how mm. they might as they might relate to these technologies in futures uh, as we go to a break. Hi, welcome back everyone where well, we're having a conversation around the future of sex and we've just been talking about some um, more obvious um, technology. Um, so Ross, Ross Dawson, our guest today, um, can you tell us a little bit more about what some of the other elements of um, future sex might be? Like I've got a list here that you gave us which includes things like robot sex or body suits and haptic entertainment and direct neural inf- interfaces and, and things like that. What is haptic entertainment? Well, let's go with that one. Let's go with that one. Haptic entertainment. Okay. So haptics refers to the sense of touch. So uh-huh. at the moment we, so we have visual or olfactory and so haptics is, so you know, now we have the web which can uh, you know, communicate in various ways. So haptics is... is more about sense of touch, which obviously can be focused on particular parts of the body. But we, mm-hmm. the idea of, of a haptic suit is something yep. you put on where you can actually feel when and how somebody is touching you, for example. Yeah. So this is the part of the next generation where we can not just have you know, just parts of our body who are engaged with the others, but the mm-hmm. potential to actually feel as if we are engaged. And actually actually experiencing, engaging with your partner. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and at what distance a, a, a would you be body. able to do that? At what distance? Well, the, well, at, at any distance, as long as you are connected. Yeah. It's so you could be the other side of the world, could be in the yeah. you know next door. Mm-hmm. It's you know, entirely equivalent. So mm. this is this is relatively early on in terms of where, sure. being able to get to this kind of immersion. But there are certainly haptic suits which are available, usually focused on the upper body, and mm. these are used you know for a variety of different applications, and including and and of be, course we can. Mm. I was just going to say that more and yeah. more as, as Hollywood or, or movies start to move yeah. into immersion, as yeah. we get virtual reality and so on, we will mm. want to experience what it's actually like to be, be there. And, and I imagine I, I'm that sure we're going to have action movies which will include these haptic suits as well. 
Well, I mean, I've seen them. That's why I know what you're talking about because I've seen them on movies. But um, so will they get to that level of sensitivity where you'll be able to experience like a kiss or, you know, quite subtle tender um, I'd imagine that anything that has to do with pressure is yeah. the easiest thing to achieve technologically. Mm. If we're looking at things more like wetness, mm. the feeling of, of mm. fluidity, mm. that might be a little harder to achieve technologically. But surely if you were feeling and experiencing it, then your own body would, you'd be able to feel what your own body was yeah, but, but I suppose like from, from the guy's point of view, he wouldn't be able to actually feel the wetness of a vagina. Well, yeah, but also I'm imagining you'd have to have a very sophisticated haptic suit in order to be able to stick your tongue out and then your partner experiences the wetness of your tongue. And you're, oh, that would, what do you reckon, Ross? Do you reckon you, like, you could do French <laughs> kissing for your body suit? Well, do you reckon there, there we'd ever get to that of- level? There are a couple of uh, remote kissing devices, though I wouldn't uh, highly recommend either one of them. I think it's very <laughs> Have you early, tried them? Early Have days. Have you tried them, Ross? Have you tried <laughs> them, Ross? It's, it's, no, I haven't. Because I reckon the tongue. I, I should. Like the tongue. <laughs> the tongue like is one of the hardest. Well, because I have There's been given... Something like a... Mm. Lips you could do. And right. again, I mean, still, this is something where you do need to push the technology. This is quite mm. difficult. We're actually, it's very interesting where you can start to make skin which looks real. Mm-hmm. The touch is still, the feeling of it is still, we're not quite there. They are getting closer to that, but we are, mm-hmm. this is, you know, the next five, 10 years. In terms yeah. of things such as the moistness of lips, yes, you think you can emulate that. The tongue mm-hmm. would be, I think, extremely hard to be able to get the senses which you know, mm. you are controlling something which is then passed on at a distance to someone else. So this is more the long distance future. Yeah, but certainly that, that, that kiss we could do. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, because I've tried, I've tried these dildo things, right? I've been sent these dildos that are supposed to um, simulate oral sex, right? But really all it is is it's kind of like this, this thing that goes round and round and round and round and round. And I've tried doing it and it's awful. Like it's awful. It doesn't feel anything like a tongue. Because there's so much, it just feels like this plastic thing going blah, 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 which, which, which it doesn't which, work. But, but that leads me into thinking about things like, for example, that a lot of the sex, mm. I- human sexuality is in between the ears anyway. Mm. So it depends on how much imagination you put into technology that isn't quite there yet. Mm. But in the longer term future, if we're looking at things like direct neural interfaces. Well, yes, that's what I wanted that, to go to next. Yeah, well, that seems to be, that would be like, I would imagine, the third stage of technology. Once you get past the suits thing, you'd mm. be able to plug in directly and experience not only, I mean, that at that point, a whole world, a sort of universe would open up, wouldn't it, Ross? Yes, and this this is more speculative uh, mm-hmm. at this point. But there is one. There was a very interesting uh, project, research project, which was done earlier this year, mm-hmm. where somebody was able to. It was the first brain-to-brain commu- communication that we've experienced. Really, so the way it worked was that somebody was. Uh, it had his finger over a uh, device for playing a game mm-hmm. with his eyes closed. Another mm-hmm. person was looking at the screen and using his thoughts, he made that person push his f- finger down to be able to fire the, fire the thing in the game. So he was actually able to control someone else's finger impulse from somebody else's brain. And what so were they connected by? Were they connected by some kind of... It was wires. Yeah. Wires, yeah. So there's yeah. basically... And there wasn't any implants, but it was right. using some uh, some rich 
um, you know, brain uh, imaging, well, brain imaging and detection device mm-hmm. on the head, controlling through, going through to uh, connecting to somebody's, again, external devices, not implants, to be able to get somebody to move their finger. So with and that, the, sorry, my mind's just kind of boggling a little bit with that. So, so let's say two lovers were connected with neural, what are they called? Interfaces. Neural interfaces. And so is it that they can only experience what the other is experienced? So it's kind of a bit like a mutual masturbation. You feel what your partner's feeling when they're self-pleasuring. Or can you actually make your partner feel something? Like can would you be able to like make your partner have an orgasm, for instance, by thinking about stimulating them? Or can they only f- experience what you're experiencing? Uh, well, there's, there's nothing at this point which, which gives us firm evidence that we will be able to experience what other people are experiencing or how their people are experiencing. Okay. So this is the, really the, the long-term future. And right. what I was referring to in this case is we, we can actually control someone else. So we could actually right. conceivably mm-hmm. move mm-hmm. to the point where we could, if we wanted someone to grab us, then mm-hmm. we could get them to grab us. Oh, that doesn't um, sound very ethical. Well, there's all, we, we also should make a distinction. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's, I don't think we would be able to necessarily override someone's, what somebody wants to do, but we could guide them or so on. But in terms of the, 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 the next point around being able to engender feelings is that mm. we, we can identify which parts of the brain are involved with orgasms and other sensual feelings. And absolutely, there is a potential where we could give to someone else the mm. potential to stimulate us in ways that would both emulate physical stimulation or potentially mm. transcend that. And that's mm. clearly, if we're looking at the future of sex, one of the most interesting things is can we go beyond what we you know, what we currently consider to be an orgasm Mm. and to have that enhanced or enriched or to be, you know, have different facets of that um, by direct stimulation of Mm. those pleasure centers in the brain rather Mm. than the indirect uh, stimulation, which, you know, we have through physical engagement. Mm. We also need to make a distinction between controlling other people's body parts and actually feeling what they're feeling. So mm. there's obviously, again, in the long-term future, we'd be looking at things like, can I see through your eyes? Can you see through mine? Can we commune at a deeper level that may not have anything to do with physical sensations where we're actually experiencing each other's electrochemical realities in our own brains? We're looking at levels of physical intimacy that go even beyond what nature has equipped us for. So that's way into the in into science fiction land at the moment but the funny thing about the future is that it tends to come upon us faster than we normally think that it will so yeah, well, it's just cons- one, one of the interesting points there is that there are a, a number of people have tried to do things where you can see what your partner is seeing Mm-hmm. And so this is a, it's a first step. I mean, it's relatively crude in terms compared to mm-hmm. uh, to brain interfaces, but you know, it's, it's not so dissimilar to having mirrors around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas something where you can actually see what your partner is seeing. So mm-hmm. this is you know, it's not the technology is not that difficult mm-hmm. to to set up. But I think that's mm-hmm. a first step, uh, and. Yeah, it is the unknown. So it's in terms of, I think it, there's a lot of philosophical questions on saying, can we ever experience what yeah. someone else is experiencing? Mm. I think this is really the, the further elements of this. But 
I th- one of the really interesting domains now is, is you know where we are a lot closer is being able to more directly you know stimulate and engage with you know mm. uh, stimulate our our partners through their brains remotely or and, through their brains and yeah. actually and I've got it, though I've got one thing I do have to raise mm-hmm. which I think is is certainly if we're looking at the future of sex and around this topic is a the concept of a collective orgasm. Well, yes, so that moment, came to mind as well, if we all plugged in and... Yeah. So yeah. this is the first thing is obviously, you know, if you can actually connect more than, um, you know, beyond just physical domain and direct simulation, then you can obviously bring in other people into that space. So this is you know, related to the, to the domain of collective consciousness, Mm. Can we, you know, if we are connect, connect our thoughts, then, you know, this is part of potential for the future of humanity. We can build a common consciousness, mm. which is, and that's obviously a fairly important thing, which is, which we may come to as humanity. But part of that aspect of a collective consciousness is that potentially we could collectively, not just in twos or even small groups, mm. but with the groups of many people to be able to achieve, uh, you know, a, a pinnacle of, um, you know, of ecstasy. We could have to be very careful with that because if there are too many people plugged into the network at, two, uh, at a time and there's a big orgasm, we might end up causing a shift in the Earth's orbit. Um, having, But I'm interested, sorry, I have something to say. Sure, sure. Yeah. That, see, one of the things that makes humans cooperate and brings out the best in us is when we feel that someone's in our in-group as opposed to our out-group. Ah, okay. Yeah, and so if we feel that someone's in our in-group, then we 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 get um, flows of oxytocin within us, which makes us feel like, yes, I like you, you're part of my in-group. And I'm just wondering whether these kind of technologies might not actually help people feel that that connection. You're talking about the monkey sphere. I didn't know. I was talking about the monkey sphere. Do you know about the monkey sphere, Ross? Uh, you're preparing to Rupert Sheldrake's... Um, no, 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 no. I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about the the, the monkey sphere is this idea that um, human beings have evolved as chimp... Well, as an offshoot of the chimpanzee line, and chimpanzees only have a certain amount of uh, rela- relationships before um, their uh, capacity to in- create an in-group goes beyond their their thinking capacity. So, for example... At about 200 people is about as far as you can get before the group becomes too big and you can't. No, what I'm talking about is, for instance, like we have, we feel the closest bonds with our immediate family, right? Right. Or with our lover or so forth. Yes. And then we'll have various groups that we feel part of. Yes. Right? And things like, you know, social networking and stuff are enabling us to have bigger groups yes, and that certainly way beyond the 200. Like, I mean, even people feel pa- very patriotic, right? Like I feel closer to Australians than, say, I do to Finnish people, for instance. And yes. if there was a soccer match... Not that match, you have anything against No, 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 Finland. but if there was a soccer match between Australia and Finland, I'd be going for Australia, right? Right. Um, if we, if aliens arrived and make themselves known, then I'll be certainly feeling more human and I will feel a closer bond to other humans as opposed to an alien species, right? Mm-hmm. And studies have shown that, that when you have that feeling with someone who's on your in-group, you release more oxytocin when you think of them, when you're around them and so forth. And I'm just wondering, that's yes. just what came to mind, that if we were able to kind of tap in more clearly to people um, like this, whether that might get that 
get lots of oxytocin flowing around the world and we'd all be feeling yummy and connected and happier and I'd still there I'd still think that unless there was some other augmentation that have to be a neural limit because there's just uh, there are just the way that people are currently wired up mm. they can't relate to more than 200 separate entities whether you call that entity the Australian nation Well I'm not nation. talking about a direct interface with No no I'm just simply say, I'm just simply I'm saying, just saying that saying who a, do I connect with who do I feel positive about Hey look what do you think Ross do you think the potential there is is for greater general connectivity with the human race through a collective orgasm <laughs> <laughs> well, I th- well, my view is that the, these are de- these are domains for experimentation. And hey, so, so much of looking at the future. I mean, we can hypothesize and we can you know look at directions and so on. But I mean, these these are things where these are unknowns, and we have to try. Mm-hmm. And so, we, there, of course, we're very early on in terms of the potential technologies to be able to do that. I, mm-hmm. I do. I mean, I, one of the interesting things as we are essentially moving to the augmentation of humans in various ways and an augmentation of human brains. So, mm-hmm. as you uh, as you say, uh, Xavier, there is there are some fundamental limitations of our human brains. Yet there are other domains where we probably can extend beyond you know, our current experience of uh, you know what the brain is capable of, and we don't yet know whether we can mm. extend those further or not. So I think Xavier referring to the Dunbar number, which is yes, that's this it. idea. Yeah, that the Dunbar a, yeah, number. So, yeah, which is a certain number of people which we can, uh, you know, the brain is capable of relating with on a reasonable level. Yet the, uh, and it's, I think there's a fair case to make that that is something which is reasonably hardwired into our brain, yet maybe over time that's something where we could either train ourselves or to extend ourselves through technology or change the configuration of our brains. I mean, this is the, what is, what I point to is that we are in a domain of self-creation. We have finally reached the point when we can literally create ourselves as humans. There are, of course, some constraints around that. We can't just imagine anything and make that. Yet we are in the domain of creation, and now is the time of exploration. That's we can a major envisage. That, well, is this that, possible? Can we try that, this? The, what you're suggesting, Jacqueline, and hmm. and we will discover that by 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 trying. But that's a major trend, isn't it, Ross? This idea of extending the self. I mean, we're seeing that. I mean, in a crude way, in the popularity with body piercing and tattoos as a way of body augmentation. The future might hold all other possibilities about how we would augment our own bodies in order to experience things or to represent ourselves in new ways. Mm. Yes, yes. As you say, there's a lot of, uh, I suppose... Yeah, elements in society, you know, as you say, various ways of changing the body, which is, uh, I think it's, it's railing against the limitations that we've had. Yet today, there's the ideas of extending our capabilities through wearable technology, through uh, mm. exoskeletons, through being able to have, you know, brain implants to extend our memories. I mean, these are realities. Glasses are, in fact, a, you know, technology that extends us. We are now getting different yeah. ways in which we are. Smartphones, um, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, yeah. some research just showed is that the, the reality is that Google is our brain treats Google as an extension of our memories. So mm-hmm. we remember less of the sorts of things that we can access through Google. Our brain evolves because it does something to assist it. 
Yeah, and that's why I'm sort of getting a little bit excited here and, and thinking about that whole connectivity because, you, you know, I, I like to think that we're heading towards a more positive future and that we tend to use technology in positive ways on the whole right? Like, you know, there's a lot of fear around social networking and stuff. What is a big brother, blah, blah, blah. But gradually people are going, actually, it's just a really cool way to connect. And, you know, and like you don't have to have intense relationships with 200 plus people, but you can have sort of light ones and sharing things. And I think personally that that gets the happy hormones flowing and that it creates more love and heart opening between people. And that's kind of what I'm talking about and why I'm sort of a little bit excited about some of these potential technologies because yep. I think we are evolving towards greater love and connectivity as a, as a species and beyond. And we'll look at more of this potential for connectivity, especially mm. among in the sort of transhuman area after the break. And we're looking at the future of sex. And in the future of sex, we're looking at also the present of sex because we draw upon the present to look at the future. Right now, in the present of sex, a lot of people are finding gratification um, with, shall we say, non-human partners. If the future of robotics and other technologies, for example, artificial intelligence, can incre continues to increase, uh, we might find that people are having relationships with these non-human or transhuman entities. Ross, your thoughts on this? Absolutely. There's, and I think this has become, just in the last year or two, so, something which is quite clear in people's consciousness. Robotics is very much a topic of the moment as people realize that the uh, things we were promised for many, many decades may be finally uh, mm -hmm. coming. Mm. And it's when we look at robots that we can create to be you know, like humans and interact with them. I mean, it's uh, perhaps not too surprising that one of the first things a lot of people think about is, uh, can I have sex with them? Yeah, of and course. Especially since so, the potential is that they could be better looking than us. <laughs> they they better don't smell better endowed, <laughs> not as smelly, but they will do as they're told. <laughs> and for some people, yes, they well, have their emotions. <laughs> well, in fact, that, that's, that's one of the dangers. I mean, this is looking more to the longer term rather than the short, short term. But one of the deep and fundamental dangers in, uh, of robots for sex is that we may, there may be a lot of people who find that they prefer a robot partner to a real life partner. Because yes. as you say, they will do what they're told. They will always be pleasant to you. They will, you know, deal with uh, your, your mood, you know, your moods in the most uh, way which will assuage you the most. There's, in fact, there was also just a recent uh, article and study which was looking at the implications. I mean, this is, you know, it is a, you know, a challenging question, but... Mm. You know, raising the question of should we allow people to have sex with ro uh, robots that look like children? Oh. And it's... Keep what you worry. That's an icky thought. And so part of it is, yeah, and I, I think you know, there's some pretty deep issues around there. And it's... Mm. But it's part of it is saying that you know robots can be whatever we want them to be, or we're getting closer to the time where that's the the case. Yet I think that the, I think it's pretty fair to say that as humans, it, it is the challenges and relationships which shape us. You know, the mm. sexuality is Relational. very often part of a relationship. Mm. 
And if we can forget our sexual needs you know, met in other ways, we may not be wanting to engage with other people. And some people have you know, hypothesized that you know, this is the end of the human race, yeah. uh, which may, may be pushing it a little bit too far. But I, mm. I think if we want to look at the implications of uh, sex robots, you know, we're, only just, we're only just getting close to. We are not yet at the point actually where we have any decent sex robots. I think attractive sex robots, though mm. it's not that far off. We are looking somewhat beyond that, but I, mean, I think we do need to look at the implications, and these are pretty. Uh, it's it will be, again, unknown as the degree yeah. to which people will say, "Well, can I be bothered with a human partner who is difficult and challenging?" I'm, yeah. I'm concerned about the potential for a group of people who are conditioned to relating to human-like beings in that particular way and then transferring that conditioning to real people who have real feelings, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. I'm, I can just imagine conversations in the future. Look, I'm not a robot. You can't talk to me that way. You can't relate to me that way, at least until the time when robots actually get further advanced and become sentient. And that's a whole other... Well, then you might as well be with a human. But it's interesting because, I mean, in my own clinical practice, I see um, a lot of people um, who kind of have this sort of relationship with porn in a way. Like they... I mean, essentially what we're talking about is having masturbatory type sex as opposed to having partnered sex. So if you're having sex, whether it's with a robot or whether it's just wanking off in front of a porn show, it's kind of a similar sort of thing. It's, it's easier, it's less complicated, it's really immediate, you get what you want straight away. And just as I'm noticing that a lot of guys in particular, occasionally women, are finding it hard to have sex with an actual real-life person because they've been so conditioned to wank to porn, um, I guess it's the same kind of thing here, isn't it? Like basically if you're having sex with a robot, it's just a sort of more um, fancier form of masturbation really. Yes, and mm. the, and the, but the thing is that as, you know, as we started off this, mm. you know, this conversation, it's robots will be perfect relative mm. to humans who are imperfect. Mm. And that's, so, as you say, there, there's the potential for people to get so attuned to that, um, yeah. to, that they change their responses to, to humans. So mm. I, I don't think we can you know, wish away robot sex, and I think it has its, mm. uh, has its place. Well, um, I imagine for a lot of people who are on the autistic spectrum, it. it might be quite nice for them. I mean, I think a lot of guys that use the real dolls at the moment are sort of, you can tell they're a bit of a way on their autistic spectrum <coughs> who might have trouble relating to a human anyway. So maybe they can use robots, you know, keep them happy. It just becomes a physical release. Given, given these, all of these possibilities mm. then, in terms of the future of sex, one of the big questions is going to be how we maintain our humanity, for mm -hmm. want of a better way of how we maintain or enhance or, enha or enhance our, uh, but also where's the love in all of this? Do you see what I mean? The, to yeah. what it, we, well, we're going to have to balance to what extent the technology enhances or to what extent the technology gets in the way of intimacy. Mm. Well, the well, one of the realities here is that we will fall in love with robots <laughs> and the it's interesting so we had the movie her recently which you know mm. showed that scenario and you know there's been a lot of discussion around it, how realistic 
or the timeframes in which that may happen. Yet, we already have had for some time some cute furry robots which are used in treating Alzheimer's as Mm -hmm. things that people actually emotionally engage with and fall in love with. And I would argue that uh, Hollywood animations, you know, the Pixar's and so on, they are a way of engineering human emotions. We can watch mm. pictures on a screen of, of, you know, peop- of you know, drawings of people interacting or 3D animations, and we cry. Yes, we, in, in we some can sense, we understand have always- human emotions. Yeah, we have all. We in some sense we have always lived virtual realities. Well, stories have been part of human human existence right from the beginning, and they're just stories. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, but now we can actually just use this understanding, and I think a lot of this is around Hollywood and those extended cinemas. Where actually we say, what does something look like which will evoke an emotion, which will evoke certain feelings, and we we are starting to get that into uh, building that into physical devices. How, and you know, just the reality of how a robot, for example, may you know flutter their eyelids or look at you sideways or or so on. And also Jessica how you Rabbit speak. turned into a yep, into yep, a human exactly. into a robot. Yeah, exactly. And there is a danger in that in that because I mean. I, some studies have shown that men in particular um, can get a bit drawn into, for instance, porn and stuff because it's enhancing, um, you know, like the smaller waist and the super stimulus, the super, that whole super stimulus kind of thing. Yes. Um, and yes. if the robots were actual like 3D manifestations of that, um, yep. then it's going to be a bit hard for real people to even compete with that. Yeah, so but th- that is part of the physical attraction, but it is mm. also the emotional attraction. Mm. We can, yeah, sure. We 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 clearly it is it is clear that we have the capabilities to evoke emotions and mm. not just physical lust, but yeah, sure. also uh, ways Love to be able to get people mm-hmm. to engage. And yeah, so the, it will be will come first to have robots where we can engage with sexually. We kind of think, well, you know, you, you can't have a conversation with them afterwards. <laughs> or even before, yet it's actually not that far off where we mm-hmm. will have conversations and we will start to feel emotions as a result of sharing and uh, you know discussions and engagements and and they we will design they will be designed to say the right things. There's, I used to live in Japan and there's a lot of women. Uh, can't remember the the phrase, but basically mm-hmm. the role of these women in these bars was to get paid a lot of money to have drinks and they would basically. They were just to nod and yeah, say yes to everything the men said. Yeah, they're and hostesses. You can make it, yeah, yeah. But they're, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they actually specifically are the too. ones who just you know, nod and say yes and oh, isn't that wonderful? Oh, that's, you know, I'm, well, you know, that's what a lot that's, of that's sex so impressive. workers have been. That's what sex work has been throughout the years, you know. Like you turn up and yeah. you get, depending on how much you pay, you get a better quality. You pay for a really top-class escort, then she's going to act like a, like a girlfriend. You but, know? You, but you wonder yeah, then about what, acting. The, what will the impact be on the world's oldest profession? Well, yes, if they're robots instead. Yes, exactly. Mm. Why deal well, with that? Why some people have predicated that all the uh, prostitution will be wiped out by robots. Mm. One of, one of the categories have- of jobs will be wiped out by technology. But what might be interesting is there might be actually more um, available for females because one of the things that always annoys me is that there's all of there's sex workers for men, but there's very, very few for women. But I thought that was a demand thing. I thought that fewer women wanted to pay for sex. Oh, I think that's the topic for a whole, oh, we should interview a male escort. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yes, let's do that in a future. I've got lots of, lots of thoughts around that, but let's focus just on don't, the future just, of sex still. Let, let, let's, let's close with some... I, I don't, quick, don't agree, though. I, I think that there is a there is 
definitely a role for uh, male sex robots, and that that will mm. overcome some stigma with with um, you mm. know women. Well, I think the, the whole empowering of women um, is coming a long way with, I mean, with toys and gadgets and stuff. Women are starting to own their own sex, sexuality a lot more and saying, well, hey, I can stimulate myself. I can do what I like, mm, which we've, is a positive thing. We've got only a few minutes Have left. Oh yes. Oh, God, it's always so fascinating. Yes, yes. Time flies. And I just want to touch base on some very, very quick short answers here, Ross. Mm. How far are we away from the orgasm pill? It's, well, I'm not sure if it would be a pill, but <laughs> in terms of directly stimulating orgasms, I mean, we're looking probably 15 years plus, unfortunately. Oh, okay. So well, I'm kind of to- interested in that because, you know, being a fairly advanced practitioner of Tantra and stuff, I can bring myself to orgasm just by thinking about it. So why do we actually need a pill? Because, it, it, because in a era of quick solutions. Yes, most people can't be bothered learning to Yes, why spend, why spend five years meditating and becoming tantrically aware where you can just go to the chemist and buy a pill or whatever it's going to be and go, oh. Or plug into something. Or plug into something, Mm. yeah. We're talking about options here. Yes. I know that you're being the tantra romantic that you are. You would like everybody to just sit down and meditate for a few minutes every day. But not everyone's going to. But not everybody's going to. No. Ross, it's been great talking to you. A real Um, pleasure. it's been, it's, yeah. it's, it's certainly, well, you certainly opened my eyes to some things that I really didn't want to think about, frankly. But, hey, that's the future. And I'm just wondering, I'm sure quite a few of our listeners, because most of our listeners listen um, to the podcast or whatever, not live. So it's quite possible that um, you as listeners might have some questions and stuff. And I'm just wondering, Ross, would you mind if um, people have questions, if they write in and either we bring you back for another show or you can just give us some general answers to some things and we can pass that on to our listeners because I know sure, so it's really pass on what I would also yeah. do is point people so I'm the publisher of uh, Future of Sex which is at ah. futureofsex.net right so, so that's your have, website yes futureofsex.net that's right that's my public so yeah, I publish everybody. a lot of uh, mm. amongst other things are published so we have you know cover virtual sex remote sex immersive entertainment robots mm-hmm. augmentation and you know and point of the sorts of is, things emerging. that links on my website too people so if you just go to my radio show page then you'll find the link to Ross's it's it's very easy to remember sex.net the future of sex.net yeah so and so um, we're trying to build conversations there so by all means join in the conversations and the comments mm. on the on the website there as well but yes happy to respond to anything which uh, mm. through you um, mm. as, uh, as useful. Yeah. It's been cosmic. <laughs> it's been techno-cosmic. Cosmic. It's been techno-cosmic. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And till next week or next time. Next time, next week, join us, everyone, for yet another fascinating discussion with yet another fascinating sex geek um, down on the Tantric Lounge. <laughs>